Oh, no. There's no wolf show up in this movie either. Oh, unfortunately. I know, right? God damn misleading titles. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. This week we're going to talk about Wolf Creek that has no wolves. Or creeks. Or creeks. <laughs> I didn't see a creek. I didn't either. No wolves, no creeks. We're going to talk about Wolf Creek. <laughs> Before that, let's start getting stone. Let's let's get our green hits going. What did you bring me again? All right. So this week I brought you a joint of Venom OG from one of our local dispensaries here in town. And this particular strain is a cross between Poison OG and Rare Dankness Number 1. So for those who are curious, the effects that you'll feel are happy and euphoric. It usually ranges somewhere in the upper 19% or so on the THC scale. The flavors and aromas that you'll have are herbal. It's very high in myrcene. It also has citrus and peppery notes as well. And this is one I do enjoy. It is a, uh, a nice hybrid 50-50 split, but I think they say it leans a little indica dominant. Yeah. I brought you some banana punch which is another hybrid that's almost right down the middle, but I think is just a touch sativa dominant. Nice. Cross of banana OG and purple punch. Go figure. Yeah. Pretty citrusy, a little bit of pine, a little bit of pepper. Like this one is the lowest I've ever seen test at this shop. I got it from Greener Pastures, and I think it's only like a 20.9. But as we've discovered with some of these ones we've tried in the past, that don't always mean shit. Yeah, like, I agree with that. Especially the chocolate tie. It only tests out like maybe 17, but boy, oh boy. Well, shit, some of that lamb's bread that I've had from flowers, testing it only around 20 and that shit. Yeah. Make me stupid. <laughs> yeah, sometimes so. it's the terpene profile, you know. So I'm curious to see how that'll end up for you. I'm nice. going to light up that Venom OG, though. Well, shit. I suppose now that we're starting to get high, maybe we should also get into the guts and bolts of Wolf Creek. Guts and bolts. All right, so guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? 2005's Wolf Creek? Did I get the year right on that? It is right. I have the answers, like, just to my left if I were to actually look, but I didn't look. Fuck that. I can get it wrong. We're getting stoned. Before we start in on who and what went into it, the spoiler-free setup, three young people go on a trip to Wolf Creek Meteorite Impact Zone in Australia. And good things don't come of going into the sticks when you're a young person in a horror movie. There you go. <laughs> so from week to week, we do like to talk about the people who go into making the film, whether it be behind the scenes or in front of the camera. And this week, it's a gentleman we've actually talked about before. He is the producer, writer, and director of this film. And that gentleman is Greg McLean. And we've talked about him because he directed... The Belko Experiment, which we've talked about on episode 48 of The Fried Squirms. So for those who are also curious, he's responsible for directing other films, such as the film Rogue. He's also responsible for the films Crawl Space, Tales of Halloween, The Darkness, The Legend of Ben Hall, where he was actually a producer on that. And he's also responsible as a producer on the television series of Wolf Creek as well. So. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right. Our cinematographer is Will Gibson. This gentleman's responsible for being the DP on such films as Macbeth and the film Rogue. 
Our editor is Jason Ballantyne. He has done such films as Rogue. You might have seen his work on 2008's Prom Night. He also helped with The Great Gatsby back in 2013. He also edited 2017's It and It Chapter 2 back in 2019. And he's recently completed The King's Man. All right, music was by Francois Titaz. He's responsible for composing the music for such films as Rogue, a film I've seen, I actually enjoy, is a film called Hesher, and the film Judy and Punch. awesome. It is. It's wild, man. It's a film I wasn't expecting Joseph Gordon-Levitt to pull off the way he did, uh, but it was really good. so good. So I know we're not here to talk about Hesher, but I fucking love that movie. JGL's performance based on the late Cliff Burton, who was the original Metallica bassist, to the point where I think he even like got home videos and stuff from the Burton family to watch while he awesome. was getting ready for the role. That's pretty dope, man. That's awesome. All right, the special effects was done by Conley Makeup Effects Teams. They helped with the prosthetics and makeup on this film. And Oasis Port Australia. This was produced by Greg McLean and David Lightfoot. The production companies on this were quite a few... We had Film Finance Corporation of Australia, Southern Australian Film Corporation, 4-3 Productions, True Crime Channel, and Mushroom Pictures. This was distributed by Dimension Films here in the States for the theatrical release back in 2005, and Roadshow Entertainment helped with Australia's 2005 theatrical release. There was quite a few release dates. I've got January 2005 here in the States at the Sundance Film Festival, it also had a statewide release December 25th, 2005. And October 6th, 2005, it made its premiere in Adelaide. That's in southern Australia. And it had its countryside release November 3rd, 2005. The budget was an estimated $1 million, and it grossed $30.7 million worldwide. Nice. And the tagline I found for this is, How can you be found when no one knows you're missing? I like that. That's a fun tagline. Yeah, we'll get into all those juicy details here in a little bit. All right, so moving on to the cast, we have a very limited cast, which is going to make it easy talking about these people. I want to lead off with our backpackers. Okay. We have Cassandra McGrath. She plays the role of Liz Hunter, and when you look at some of her filmography, she's also been in such films as The Wayne Manifesto. You might have seen her in Shock Jock. She was in 2010's film The Pacific, she was also in Neighbors and 2016 Scare Campaign. We have Kesti Morassi. She plays the role of Christy Earle in the film. Some people might recognize her because she was in the 2002 film Dirty Deeds, which she was nominated for an FCCA Award for Best Supporting Actress. She was also in Darkness Falls back in 2003. You might have seen her in Thunderstruck back in 2003 as well. She was in the film Signs. She was also in the film Blame back in 2010. And she's been in several things in Australian television, more notably 2010's Wilfred, where she played the role of Cat. All right, we have Nathan Phillips. He plays the role of Ben Mitchell. And Mr. Phillips has been in some really cool films. So when you go back and you look, he's in such things as Australian Rules. That was back in 2002. He was in the films Snakes on a Fucking Plane. <laughs> yeah, he was also in Surfer Dude with Matthew McConaughey. You might have seen him in 2012's film Chernobyl Diaries. He was also in the television series Hunters back in 2016. And more recently, he was in the film Blood Vessel. Did you see what his first film credit is? So, oh, the Shirley Temple story? Is that what you're looking at? Or? Well, his first, I think, I don't, it might have 
premiered after Australia Rules, but I think it was shot beforehand. Mm -hmm. His first film credit is Warriors of Virtue, mm -hmm. The Return oh, to Tao, which is the direct video sequel to Warriors of Virtue, which was the kangaroo martial arts movie. Uh, I know. <laughs> which Doug Jones is in, and I fucking love. That's awesome, dude. I saw that shit in theaters. <laughs> Fucking awesome. loved Warriors of Virtue. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, the last person I have, but certainly not least, is John Jarrett, who plays the role of Mick Taylor. And when you look at some of his work, let's go back a little bit here, but he has been in such things as the great McCarthy back in 75, We of the Never Never, that was back in 82. He was also in television shows such as Better Homes and Gardens with his then-wife, Noni Hazelhurst. He had roles in Inspector Morse, Police Rescue, Blue Murder, Water Rats, and Blue Healers in the 90s and 2000s. And then he joined the cast of McLeod's Daughters in 2001. And then he returned to cinema because of Wolf Creek and Rogue and The Final Winter and things like that. So pretty interesting gentleman. We'll get a little bit more in depth about him and a little bit more of these actors and actresses in our next section. But that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a pretty good idea of what this film entails. Definitely should give you some warnings heading into it. Warnings, violence, language, attempted sexual assault. Yeah, there's some attempted stuff. There's bits of blood and gore. Yeah. Not much, but there's bits. There's bits. At times. Especially if you're really paying attention to the background. Yeah. It has very realistic moments of, you could say, torture and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Which is maybe... We'll get to it, but maybe yeah, we'll more it. selling it on part of the actors than anything. But I agree. Yeah. I would say it's not any worse than your average slasher. And uh, I guess we do technically see a little bit of nudity. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Technically, yeah. With the uh, hanging up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but mm, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get into everything and talk about how Wolf Creek made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right. Wolf Creek. How did it make you squeal? Well, I don't know even how to start this one off, I guess. For well, some reason, I, yeah. I'm, I'm spaced today. Well, sometimes it's we like talk about... hitting me. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes we talk about our history with films, and I do actually have a brief history with this film, if you will, but... I remember when this film came out, like I said, we mentioned already that it came out December 25th in 2005. Now, I can't remember if I saw it exactly on that date. I highly doubt it, but then again, it may have. But I do remember seeing it at the theater, so it might have been a few months after the fact. The reason I say that is because I saw it at like a $2 theater. Mm -hmm. So they usually play them like a month or two after the fact. So anywho, I remember seeing it, and I was thinking this might have been the first Australian horror film I can remember seeing because thinking back on it, it's like, I can't remember an Australian horror film prior that I might have seen. So if that's the case, this is the first one because I've seen New Zealand before. I don't know if I've seen Australian before. So yeah, anyhow, I remember enjoying the film and didn't really watch it since then. I just like had a, a vague memory of watching it, liking it, but not being like necessarily blown away by it, but I still enjoyed it. I'd never seen it till this. Was more using this as a good excuse to finally get around to watching it, especially because we were in the mood for something a little harder than what we'd been watching. And this is usually talked about in terms like it's a torture porn. 
I'm not sure if I agree with that. If I could give this the shortest, like, if you were to ask me, like, what I thought about this movie and I only had one word to answer, it's boring. It plods. It does. However, if you ask me if I like this movie, I yeah. really kind of like this movie. Mm-hmm. But it probably There's... very easily could have been, I don't know, 40 minutes yeah, shorter? Yeah, it could have been a very short film. There's a lot of really good scenery porn. Yeah, that's definitely the... I think more, more so than, than anything is just that whole opening third of the film is trying to get you to get a sense of the vastness of the outback and the loneliness that you could feel out there. And because of that, it takes a long time to kind of build up to, all right, what's the fucking point besides them trying to get to another town? Yeah, and they take a long time making sure that we care about the characters. Yeah, I mean... Which is cool. Like, we end up caring about the... At least I felt like I ended up caring at least a little bit about the characters. Yeah. But they probably took way longer than they actually needed to. Yeah, to develop. It's like, you kind of get it. I mean... But then again, you you know... Maybe it was just their chance to really get a good shot of the landscape and all that good stuff, too. But I know what you're saying. It does plot along, because it takes, oh, like, 40-something-odd minutes before you finally meet Mick... And then even after you run into Mick, it still takes you another have like another 10, ten minutes, minutes yeah. before things start. <laughs> like you're an hour into this movie before it starts to really pop off. Anything happens. Yeah. And really then, like I said, you're about, I don't know, maybe a third or midway through the second act by then, at least. At least. Yeah. And then even when things start happening, I kind of want to just talk about this straight off and we'll yeah, yeah, get I'm into cool what this movie's about because... Like, when you start reading some of these reviews, especially, like, contemporaneous reviews, I almost understand a little bit more because it was sort of... It came out in the middle of torture porn being a thing, so people referencing that a lot, they're just referencing something that happens in the landscape. But, like, Wolf Creek is effectively horrific. It is still tasteless exploitation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Okay, like, think about Wolf Creek compared to any other exploitation movie we've seen. Yeah. This is more like a fucking travel movie than it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you could watch this on Discovery Outback. Yeah, for sure. If I mean, if you cut out, like, all the nasty bits, yeah, it could have been a promotion video for the Outback. Ending on a rather bleak note and lacking the kind of false scares or other devices normally give horror audiences an occasional breather, Wolf Creek is scary cinema pushed to the brink of punishment? Yeah, that's weird. Even In 2005? The, that's what I was thinking. It's like, we have talked about some very, you could say regressive, you could even say like really exploitative films back in the 70s and 80s that like blow this out of the water. By making us feel the pain, Greg McLean's ferocious taboo-breaking film tells us so much more about how and why we watch horror movies. Taboo-breaking? I don't know, man. That's weird. And these keep coming. Cheaply made, highly derivative, blood-soaked splatter film in which a clutch of young people on holiday encounter a psychopath with a love for dismemberment and laughing out loud when he hurts someone. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because... That's maybe 15 minutes of the movie? Of an hour and 40 minute movie? it, it, It doesn't blow my mind. Hardly anything does these days, but it's just some of it's just like... Get over yourself, man. If you you didn't like it, that's fine. But it's barely any of that. Maybe it's my own fault. It's more just because, like, I don't want to burn these people. I just want to burn this entire sentiment at the time. Yeah. That sort of still, I feel like, holds this movie up to being something it's not quite. 
But here's somebody I will just call out because of yeah. how famous he is. Roger Ebert's critique included, it is a film with one clear purpose, to establish the commercial credentials of its director by showing his skill at depicting the brutal tracking, torture, and mutilation of screaming young women. I wanted to walk out of the theater and keep on walking. You know, I actually watched that, not back then, but over the weekend, because the same year, Devil's Rejects came out, and he loves it. Devil's Rejects is... Uh, yeah. Four to five times worse than this movie. <laughs> Easily. Just the motel scene alone. The motel, yeah. <laughs> the motel scene alone in Devil's Rejects is, by itself at least three times worse than anything you see in this movie. Can't argue with that. By dude. itself. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Go ahead and try, but good luck. I don't understand how this movie <laughs> has got that cavalcade of reviews all saying the same thing about it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's it is weird. It makes you wonder. Maybe they're just kind of lumping it in, which you've already mentioned with torture porn because of the time period it came out in. It happened to be... An exploitation film, but not to the degree they're holding it to. But then here's even a retrospective response right. from a film scholar in 2017 wrote that Wolf Creek is a distinguished example of the torture porn subgenre. I still don't get how this is torture porn other than the fact that the chick is tied up for three minutes in this movie. Right. I mean, there, it's implied that there's torture that has happened in the past, but you never see any of it. In reality, this movie is about the only time in his career so far that Mick has ran into people that he hasn't gotten a chance to torture. Precisely. If you look at it that way, yeah, exactly. This is his worst outing ever. Yeah, it's just like barely a night, barely half a day into it. <laughs> Mick is kind of what saves this movie for me. It really does, because if it was just the three and just doing whatever they're doing. It's just kind of like... It kind of makes me think of, like, Jim Jeffries was a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I kept hearing his voice because, you know, when you think Australia, you only have a certain amount of references. And he also kind of reminds me of, like, if Ricky Gervais made a serial killer character. That'd be pretty awesome, yeah. It's a good combination. I know that it's been attached to... As far as the national identity, they wanted somebody that they could identify kind of like a Steve Irwin and, uh, of course, like Crocodile Dundee. But to a degree where it kind of signifies or maybe even puts a stamp or an image on that what the outback is for this type of person, you know what I mean? And I know you've probably read about it too, but I know early on when uh, McLean was writing his script for this, it started off, like he said, in 97, something like that. Right. And he kind of didn't like the end product. And... There happened to be some huge news out of Australia at the time because of multiple Backpack serial killers. Yeah, yeah, so Ivan Malat and there was another gentleman too. Oh, and you say gentleman, but Bradley Murdoch, I believe, was the other guy that was the inspiration for this film. So that was part of the reason why Australia had like a further release date and here in the States as well because they wanted to try to get that case said and done before they released the film. But anyway, the whole point was because of that shit, it gave him inspiration for more of like a slasher type thing, you know? I was going to say, this movie ends up playing a lot more like a slow burn slasher. I agree with that sentiment more so than torture porn. 
It's a very slow burn slasher where the victims are way more capable than we usually see in fucking horror movies. Yeah, I think that's point. another good plus to this movie is that fucking what's her name? Well, Liz and one of them, and then Christie's the other guy. Yeah, Liz. I mean, Christie. I mean, Christie gets fucked with more than Liz does, so mm-hmm. I kind of understand her being a little bit more out of it. Oh, and even no then, it, she. Like, when she gets a chance to run, she fucking runs. Oh, yeah, she does. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. she's still not being stupid about anything. No, no. But Liz is full-on capable from the moment they get into shit. Yeah. And it doesn't take her long to get out of her restraints and what have you. And, you know, it sets off the next series of events and all that stuff. There are moments, and I understand there's only so much you can do in a film before it's like, okay, you know, Logically, I was thinking, okay, if, if we're trying to do this logically, there's a lot of things in here where I'm like, ooh, <laughs> this is maybe a really bad idea right now. <laughs> you know, but I understand it's a way to carry the film. And spoiler, you're already in this far with us. So this doesn't have a happy ending. There's not a happy ending <laughs> at all. Unless you're Ben, kind of. Right. But even then, you know, you're left with all the memories of mm-hmm. that shit. So I look at it that way. It's like, that's what I'm saying. It's if they did things differently, right? Because there's moments where it's like, yeah, there's fight and flight, but then you're also like, well, fuck the guy. <laughs> He's on his own. <laughs> you know, but like, I also get it too. It's like, what do you, what do you actually do? do you, you know? So one of the downsides of the movie is that unfortunately this movie also says, fuck the guy. He's on his own and he's out of the movie for almost an entire hour. Yeah. You're and right. then just shows back up for the end. His ending has nothing to do with anything that just happened. It's just him getting out. Yeah. And then at this point, he's just like, we're just going to jump all over the place on this fucking movie because apparently I I have opinions on it. (laughs) No, I think we both do because, you know, we have to do it objectively as much as, you know, we might enjoy it because there are some things that are like, ah, ah, you know, like you were just just saying, completely dropping out. I don't understand that choice they show you maybe i think a real quick cut scene of him just to let you know he's still in the film <laughs> but within the last what 10 minutes of the film i think i must have blinked during that moment like yeah i remember seeing a flash of him I was like oh well there he is okay so they're at least letting you know that he's still around we don't know where <laughs> but that was one thing i did kind of have a it's not a major issue but that was like okay that's yeah thinking about it and now saying it out loud, I feel like maybe the film was trying to play up the point that it's not even so many people get murdered in the outback. It's just so many people go missing. Yeah. But it didn't come across that way when I was watching it. It <laughs> just felt like he disappeared. Yeah. It's now just saying it out loud and trying to reason it out. I'm <laughs> like, well, part of the thing they bring up is just that people go missing, so I guess it ties into what this film is playing on. Yeah, but... he's just missing. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, you're right. They did establish that early on, so it could lend its hand right back into that. I somehow think that wasn't the actual case. I don't either, but <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't want to say it, but now that you said that, <laughs> it's like maybe that's your cop-out excuse, you know, for saying, hey, that's why I did that, because I've already established this. having to, like say it yeah if i'm having to defend it that's how i would defend it but i know the only thing i could think maybe in their defense right it's just like well we decided to tag along with him and then he's the reason why we're in this shit in the first place 
but not really. Now, there is like a cut and uncut version of this movie, too. Yeah. Which is absurd considering how light. I don't know how much it adds. There was one thing I know that I did not see in the, the version I watched, and it doesn't make a huge difference in the outcome of the film, is I believe there's a scene where Ben and Christy wake up in like a, a bunk. Maybe not together, but in the same room together. Because what, what I saw was just the scene with Liz on the beach with her small little group, and then she goes into the ocean. Oh, so you didn't see them in the bed at all? No. So I watched the uncut version. Okay. Here's what gets added back in. And they cut it for a really good reason, because it brings up the idea that there's a love triangle early okay. on. gotcha. But it doesn't, because it's not that big of a scene. It's they went to bed together after the drinking at the party. Gotcha. But they obviously wake up facing different directions and, like... I think he's still even all clothed. And the weirdest part is just like in his sleep, he's sort of snuggled up against her feet. (laughs) Okay. And then, but she immediately starts playing it as a way bigger deal and like doesn't wake him up, but like sneaks out of there and goes and like brushes her teeth and is like giving really worried looks in the mirror and stuff. Mm. And then when Christy realizes Liz hasn't come back yet, and might be on her way, she messes up her bed to make it look Mm. like she slept in it so that Liz didn't know that she slept in the same bed as Ben. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. It kind of makes sense because there's a line that Ben says. He's like, I've got a weird taste in my mouth this morning. Mm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, describing what you just described, that could lend its hand to that. (laughs) But... I did see that, but like so the the version I watched, it didn't. I didn't get to see any of that. And then the other thing that gets added at the end when she goes into the shed, you don't see why she doesn't grab the gun, do you? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, no, no, no. So she runs into a giant mass of decaying bodies, and her going into the shed and being in there for as long as she is is what gives Mick enough time to sneak back into the car. Okay, so that makes a lot more sense because. What I got to see is the two split up. Liz is telling Christy her whole spiel. like, you know, if I don't come back in five minutes, whatever, you go run for help or you just get the fuck out of here, basically. And then she enters and then she finds like the camcorders and all the belongings of tourists and what have you. And then she goes in one of the cars and cranks it. And that's when she gets, you know. Okay. Yeah. After she finds all that, she keeps looking and like, I think opens up a different door or gotcha. something like that. I can't remember exactly. And there's just like a bunch of decaying bodies gotcha. and it's the best effects in the movie. It's yeah. sad that it got caught. It is 100% oh. the best effects in the movie. I don't know why that would even have to be on an unrated cut though. When I That's look weird. at what it is, because I think the beyond has just as good decaying bodies. Like it's weird, dude. I don't know how this movie seemed to trick people. (laughs) Like the only thing that would maybe make sense is just, it was writing, not be its own fault. It just happened to be writing on that same wave of these style of films. You know, it, the saws, which we've reviewed and we've talked about, it's not as bad as people make it out to be in terms of torture porn. You know, it's not until much later in that franchise where it kind of lends its hand to that. The only other thing I can think of is Mick explaining the idea of a head on a stick. Because if you think about that, yeah. that's a nightmarish way to end up. No doubt about it. 
but you don't actually see hardly anything fucking happen. <laughs> no. He stabs no. her. Now I'm going to ask you about Christy or whatever the, it is the fuck he says. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to her, and we don't ever hear anything from Liz again. Exactly, that's it. We don't see anything that he does to her after... Post-stab. And even that is rather tame, for what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's horrifying in nature, but you don't see anything post-that with her. And then it goes into Christie's story, and then eventually Ben's story. And this film doesn't strike me as a torture porn at all. No. You know, I know we brought it up a lot, but it just doesn't. Well, I guess what else do we want to point out? We've sort of been jumping all around this movie. But. We have. I think for me, just those establishing shots of the whole countryside, like, man, if there was a Something campaign. it looks like out here. It really does. I was thinking that, too. I was like, there's a lot of similarities in the vastness of this state, the Pacific Northwest in general, mm-hmm. and how they're, de- you know, depicting the outback, Western Australia and what have you. and. It's like, man, it's gorgeous, but then again, it gives you that sense of like, man, if you get lost out here, you're really fucked. Yeah. And I mean, this film does a good job of emphasizing that because of those scenery shots, those establishing shots. Even when she goes, Liz, that is, into the ocean, she's like looking at it, kind of contemplating or whatever. And even that shows you the vastness of her going in by herself and Mm -hmm. being enveloped by it. So I think that was kind of... You know, their idea of like, hey, this is this is what that's happening. Look, speaking of that, though, if you want to talk about how this film plods, we don't even get the title card till like 10 minutes. Yeah, you're right. Which is ballsy when it comes to Mandy and it's halfway into the movie. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. And in this, it's like, oh, now the stories. What the fuck was all that then? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, dude. There's some funny moments early on. I did like the mechanic scene that Ben has. The yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> some of the performances are definitely what sell this movie. I think Ben pulled off a more nuanced version of a character that we see in a lot of these sort of... This is straight up way closer to a slasher. Yeah, it really is. So in some of these slasher movies where he's kind of like the asshole jock guy, except... He's not an outright asshole like yeah. we see in mostly American slashers. He's kind of a normal good guy. Yeah. He can be kind of an asshole. And like you especially notice whenever he's in the rural areas, he's not outright being a shithead to people. Yeah, exactly. But he definitely doesn't consider anything about like normal life at this period of his life i, totally I think agree. it's more his arrogance of youth than anything right it's just ignorance mm-hmm. yeah i just taken for granted that you know uh, some people don't take kindly to joking about you know back home might be accepted or what have you yeah because there's a scene with mick where he, you know he's like where are you from he's like sydney he's like oh poof the capital of australia <laughs> you're like oh shit Oh, Mick is so entertaining. He really is. I heard, and I don't know how true this is. That he kept in character? Well, I I do know that's true, but somebody I had seen in the comment sections of of several like different videos, there were, so the the thing that for Australians, Aussies, was that apparently John Jarrett did some shows in Australia for like kids and shit. Oh, okay. And so some people grew up seeing him on shows like that. And then he's And then see him play this you know, killer. I'm fucking cussing up a storm. We should have given a warning that yeah. they say cunt a lot of times in this movie. Yeah. Because it's Australia and they give a shit even less than the British. 
<laughs> yeah, it is a let it fly. It's just like our shit or fuck whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's their version of it. <laughs> it flows freely there. And that, that made me kind of happy because I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But that's why it also made me think of Jim Jeffries as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> so, full circle there. But yeah, there's some like some moments of like, I like the, the whole UFO story because I think it's clever in a sense because when that shit starts to happen after their hike and all that stuff in, in the crater, when they come back, the watches aren't working, the car's not working. That's it's a another, misdirection. That's another. It's a misdirection, but I don't but, know how well it's actually played in no, this no, movie. No, no, no. If it wasn't for that conversation he had and the story he told, it'd be like, what? What are you? Is this like X Files or what are you doing? Right, and they have the watches stop at the same time, and the car dies, and they're kind of making it like Wolf Creek's this supernatural place, mm-hmm. or mixed supernatural in some way. You could argue either yeah. way, and then it just never comes up again. Yeah, it's it's only alluded to vaguely. And you, of course, have the weather even changing weirdly, which was actually just a happy accident for them. You know, that I read that too. It's like it, they said that region hadn't rained in like 10 years or some shit. Something like that. Yeah. And then it was raining when they went to shoot, so they changed some of the dialogue yeah. to reflect that. And even things it comes like... Off good. That wasn't them doing lightning effects when he first rolls up. Oh, yeah, no. That was complete accidental. There's a storm in the area. There's a really cool shot. I mean, we get the advantage of watching it twice, and typically the second one is for our note-taking. And there's a scene where, I know I'm plotting a little bit further on, but when they accept the ride from Mick. Yeah. And you can see Liz, like the side profile of her, and you can see the lightning flash in the background. It's just real quick. I was like, yeah, that's real. That's not lighting technique. That's real lightning in the background. Considering our show and what we do, I appreciate how much naturalistic (laughs) weed smoking there was. Yeah, it's it's no problem. It's no big deal there. The very first time she pulled something out, I was like, is that a (laughs) rolly? But then I noticed later on that Christy actually had cigarettes. And I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) they're passing that around. I know what that is. Nice. Ask some weed. <laughs> and then, of course, they have sort of the weird stoned out conversation when they're at the, the crater, which is kind of funny. It wasn't so weird yeah. to be like stereotypical stoner. No, 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 no. Because like we've talked about before, there's a weird line that movies play and you're just like, oh, fuck these guys. Like no stoner is actually this. But Exactly. All right. Interesting factoid, too. For those who do know, the actress Teresa Palmer, this is her film debut. I don't know if you saw that or not. Mm-mm. She is, you can barely make her out, but during the party scene where they're all by the poolside, yeah. when Ben jumps in and then there's other people who jump in behind him, she's one of the girls who jump in behind them. Mm. Yeah, and I was like, huh. I, I was looking for it, and then I saw, I was like, oh, that's definitely her. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Lisa Palmer, huh? She was in Take Me Home Tonight. Okay. It's like a Topher Grace film. I'm uh, just going to have to look her up. Yeah. she's. I think she's also been in some horror films, too. She's She's been in genre. What I remember from that pool scene is I wasn't paying a lot of attention during that scene because I'm like, this is just setting up their relationships and how they got on the road and shit. Like, I know this. I know what this is because I've watched slashers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we get it. But, like, I was a bit stoned. 
and I wasn't paying full attention. And when he jumped into that pool, I swore to fucking God the first time that I saw it that he missed the other end of the pool from hitting his head by just like inches. Oh. And I had to rewind it real quick and be like, did he almost die on fucking camera for this? That would like, be crazy, wouldn't it? But he turned out to be a pretty safe distance away. But yeah. still, that was kind of a small pool to be doing that shit. Yeah, that is kind of sketchy, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just, just to be the fucking lame old man, but <laughs> yeah, like I think the first time I watched it, right after all these years of not seeing it, I was thinking, I was like, man, how, how long does this film take to kind of get into it? And like I said, I think if it wasn't for the Mick character, this film would have eh, would have been a stinker. But he comes off at the beginning, you're like, oof, okay, maybe they dodged a bullet, yeah, because you know he's going to help him with the car, and he's kind of joking and everything seems honky-dory and it's not really until he lets them know that you know he's heading south but they need to go north so i've never actually seen anything with teresa palmer in it but i've definitely seen a couple previews so i yeah i just looked her up i kind of yeah i think she's on a a show on shutter right now that has to do (laughs) coincidentally enough maybe about vampires i believe so Hmm. yeah but my whole point being is this film really doesn't kick off, like you say, until they take that long-ass fucking ride in the night, which I really like. That's it's kind of cool. It's let you know it's ominous. The score in this, even though it's not, it doesn't really stand out a lot, but when it does kick in, it does a fairly good job of letting you know that there's not going to be good stuff going on. <laughs> you know, That's what I do appreciate about it. Another little interesting thing is when they finally do roll into the property that Mix on, there's a sign for the mining company, and it's something like Navathalum or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a backward spelling of the guy we just talked about, Ivan Malat. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's so like, that's kind of fucked up. But I mean, it's interesting because, once again, that was the model for the Mick character. But. They also kind of got a little bit of backlash because in that area they shot in, that mining area, mm-hmm. apparently there was a real-life murder that happened there, and town people um, thought they were like portraying events that happened because of that murder. Mm-hmm. So it was just a weird coincidence. But it also lends its hand to the actual story itself is like, some shit, sketchy shit happens out here, man. Also, like, if you live in Australia, I don't think you you can bitch about that. No offense, Australia, yeah. but it kind of seems like a place where, like, any town that small or that close in the outback has probably had a weird murder happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean At least one. It happens just as much out here. And but, I would, but I was you're say, right. I'd say the same thing about Texas. Like, Yeah. Oh, my God. It's not exclusive. Texas, Florida. There's, <laughs> you name it. Every state has it. Yeah. <laughs> some, to some extent. Up on the high line. Oh, dude. Yeah, <laughs> not trying to give anybody ideas, but yeah, it's sketchy in a lot of places. So I'm just saying, like, you don't get to bitch if no. somebody's filming anything about a murder in Australia, because I think they probably happen a lot out there. <laughs> and if it's not like people murder, it's your goddamn animals murdering things. So, <laughs> uh, Man, I will say this. I, I would love to visit Australia without a doubt. But then again, I know there's some scary ass shit there. <laughs> Mainly they're bugs and critters and creepy crawlers. They got some gnarly shit out there, dude. And serial killers killing backpackers in real life. It's not just Mick. <laughs> Man, you got you got to really know where the fuck you're going in Australia. That shit's big too. Yeah, I did a 
quite a little bit of just extracurricular research, you know, because sometimes you don't know about certain places or things as much as you think you might know about them. And yeah, the, the size of Australia is massive. So that alone's impressive too when you think about, like I said, the shots they were taking and letting you know that just like anywhere that has that vastness is, you know, you don't go fucking around without some kind of way out or way back. Iowa, I'm sure every other town in Iowa has had somebody killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I've, I've driven across a good bit of this country and I hate to say it, but sometimes on those drives you're like, who, buddy? A, you don't want to get stuck out there, and B, you know some shit's happened out here. So it's probably not the first time it's come up in a movie we've watched, but it's the first time I thought about it enough to write it down in a note. If you are getting rescued from the middle of nowhere, what is the etiquette on being like, your rescue's taking a little bit long? I would like, look. <laughs> you know it, what I mean? It's like, hard to say because, you know, of course we're not in that situation. But if just a little bit of reason and logic could kick in just for a brief moment in that situation, feel like, look, just drive. On the way, I'll tell you what the fuck's going on. We need to get out of here now. <laughs> I don't have fucking time for you dicking off in the boot of the car. We got to get out of here. Yeah. You see me. You see me. <laughs> this is enough. Well, I was just sitting there. I'm like, they're trying to get Mick to hurry up. And I'm like, what is the etiquette? Like, if yeah. he's, he's rescuing you from the middle of nowhere. You might be fucked if it's not for this guy coming by, but he is taking his sweet-ass fucking time doing it. I do have a question for you in that regard, right? I think for me, maybe the coolest, maybe the coolest thing that you might miss if you're not paying really close attention is when that guy does pick Christy up and she gets in the car and he's doing all this shit. As he's got the trunk open, if you Oh, yeah, listen, you hear the... Oh, dude. Dunk. Yeah, and you're like, oh, that's fucking gnarly, dude. Or actually you hear the thunk. Yeah, you can hear it in the distance, and you're like, that's fucking good, man. Because <laughs> that lets you know this son of a bitch. <laughs> and then when he sees it, you're like, yeah, this shit. And then he gets his fucking eyeball blown out and stuff. That might be my favorite sequence in the film in terms of how that plays out. Mm -hmm. That shit was awesome. I also like after his tire blows how he's just like, all right, fuck it. I'm the one that has a rifle. Like, oh man, see that's there's. I did think that he was gonna go and just pop her in the back of the head though oh, while no, she was, was driving, but tire first, and that was cool. Like, yeah, that was one of the scenes that kind of it triggered my memory of the film. There's that last sequence being she's running on the road, and you know the events that we're talking about happen, and then he blows their tire out. And then she gets it in the back, and then he walks up on her, boom, she's done. Like, damn, that was brutal. <laughs> you know, because you're pulling for her to get out of there, but, you know, it ain't happening at this point. Not after what happened to Liz. No. When we get back to Ben, <laughs> they fucked up for me in that they showed a little bit too well how he was crucified. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that he actually managed... With how, like, he, he did get oh, his yeah. arm off, but he got his arm barely off of the nail. With the way that the rest of his arm was tied, there's no way that he then is just able to... Oh, no, dude. He did not get far enough off that nail. Yeah, I don't think so either. I was thinking that as well. It's like, I mean, we get it. <laughs> you know, but... That, yeah, that, no. I know that sounds real nitpicky. But, but no, no, no. For real, you're getting sliced up. You're not holding your arms out like they're dropping as soon as you get out of that thing and you're getting fucked up on the way down. 
But that's the thing, like, with the way that the rest of his arm was bound, it doesn't oh, dude, matter yeah. that he got it halfway out. He's still not going to be able to slide out without it just completely tearing. Ripping him and shit. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, it would have been cool. <laughs> it would have been a lot cooler if we saw that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not the way it played out. I mean, I don't know. Even, the, like, the whole crucifixion thing. We just didn't see it well enough. You saw no. a little bit of a close-up on his arm and saw him, like, struggling. Yeah, I mean... They show the it corpse next to him, no, and you know, the dog. So it's reinforcing the idea. It's like, oh, Ben's going to be food for this dog mm-hmm. if he doesn't get out. But he, he does. And then there's a little bit of a Calvaire moment for me in this film. I feel like when he's out in the outback and he's kind of doing that, mm-hmm. I was like, that's a little bit art house. Yeah, well, yeah. And it, it kind of reminded me of uh, Reflecting Skin a little bit. That too, yeah. It was well done. It might have been a little too long. I mean, we get the idea that he's all fucked up and dehydrated. And Dude, his for his getaway, not tying into Mick at all. Yeah, it's about four times too long. It really is. And uh, if it tied somehow back into Mick, yeah, cool. Exactly, but it's not, and that's weird. And and especially when you already have the cool long ass shot of Mick burning the car. Yeah, because that was that's another really fun. good shot. It really is. Yeah, you he don't puts need the both. bodies. No, it, it's weird, man. Um, as good as it is, you don't need both. Yeah. Cut one of those and add the corpses back in. I agree. Fuck yeah, man, because I didn't get to see the corpses. I want to see the corpses. <laughs> 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 I mean, like I said, it, it doesn't detract from uh, the fact <laughs> that I enjoy this film. But if we're going to be fair, these are some of the flaws that this film has. And I don't think it, it diminishes it too much to be quite honest but yeah it's just like eh, they could have done this better or they could have shortened this i think an hour 15 20 is long enough for this film hour 40 is not yeah. bad but it's just like uh for being a travel guy go. mixed with a slasher <laughs> yeah wait let's go <laughs> we can do these shots faster and if you get to him faster like mick is the saving grace of this movie in a lot of ways yeah he was fucking awesome dude from top to bottom, without a doubt, he's, he's the, I think, the, the best actor in this film. Yeah, and it's just thinking about <laughs> what I read in those comments. Like, if this guy was doing kid show and shit, man, he's killing it right now. <laughs> he's fucking a lot of people's childhood up. <laughs> you know, and it, like I said, he does a really good job. And, you know, I think some people could probably, like you were saying earlier. He practices safe sex? Yeah, he says. He always wears a condom. <laughs> I'm going to say exactly what he says, but yeah, he does. <laughs> it's fucked up, man, what he says to her, Christy, that is, because he's pointing at that corpse we mentioned that, you know, shows the nudity or whatever. And he's like... That was cool. Yeah, that was fucked up. <laughs> that was good. And he's like, yeah, you know, we had her around for months. <laughs> uh, that reminded me of an album cover. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah. Yeah, that reminded me of... The album cover for Demu Borgir's Puritanical Euphoric Misanthropia. I see. Yeah, I'm looking at it. You're right. <laughs> right? Yeah, it looks good. It does look like that. So, if anyone is familiar with Demu Borgir, <laughs> <laughs> you'll know. And if not, you can check it out now. I can't believe it. That was my thought, too, when it showed it. I was like, Demu? Okay. Like, what? All right, cool. <laughs> I'm down with some Demu Borgir. Nice, man. Actually, was there? I think there's a song on there I really like. Anyway. 
Okay. <laughs> One thing I think they might have done, it could have been the director, writers, whomever, maybe a, a collection of people in this film, but I noticed that they never failed to have people take the keys out of the ignition anytime they stopped the car <laughs> or got out of the car. <laughs> you know, it was like that was the main thing. Anytime somebody got in a car, the keys weren't there because somebody had them on their person. And mm-hmm. I was like, I think that might be a running gag in this film. It was pretty good. I liked that. <laughs> There's things I really... I mean, I feel like yeah. I've been shitting a lot on but this But no, movie. I mean, we, we have to be fair. You know, those are some of the flaws. It doesn't... Like I said, doesn't mean we didn't like the film, because I do enjoy it. It's a good film. I liked... I liked them hiding over the edge of the cliff. That was pretty that dope. That was cool. Yeah. Was and even, like good, the shot. thinking. I like it. There's some good, really good shots in this film, dude. Knowing that he was following, just them having the idea to push it over in the first place was yeah. good. Like, that was all pretty cool. I like the fake out of they set up Liz to be the final girl and then yeah. both girls die and it's actually Ben <laughs> that lives. Like that's actually a pretty cool fake out. It really is because maybe that's the whole point of that last part is, is like, yeah, haha, you thought it was going to be the girls. No, mm-hmm. it's going to be Ben. It's going to be Ben for some reason. Uh, the only reason maybe, maybe is because he's an Australian. He's not a tourist. That's true. That's the only thing I could think of. Maybe that's why it's like a bit exploitation. You know, it's it is an Australian film. It's not trying to be an American film or a British film or whatever. It's an Australian film. Honestly, the use of the rifle in general in this movie was really good. Yeah, I feel I like agree. I don't see rifles depicted very. Like <laughs> I feel like this was a more accurate depiction of rifles than I normally see in film. Yeah, especially he gets that shot off. He's like. Winda. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I think that was his way of like, like saying, you know, Windsor, bam, got your ass. <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. You're right. The rifle was cool. You don't see it very often in slasher films. If we're going to, you know, I think it's better suited. Mm-hmm. There is a little bit of that, just, man, maybe a tinge of the supernatural because of some of the elements you brought up earlier, too. But then again, you know, his character is based off of it. But maybe it's just, you know, mythologizing it. It could be very easy to make this super hokey, but they could just, like, lean into that and Mick is just the spirit of the killing Australian outback. Yeah. well, Which is also probably disrespectful to fucking the, uh, the aboriginal people there. But Yeah, but no, here's another thing that it makes me think of this film, which is interesting. You've already brought up Mandy this is the common denominator is Nick Cage. There's a recent film I watched, Color Out of Space, and the director for that is Richard Stanley, who happens to be South African. Mm -hmm. But he directed a film back in the 90s called Dust Devil, which is precisely what you were just talking about, where, you know, there's this incarnate devil traveling the countryside or, you know, whatever, the desert side, a hitchhiker per se, and it's killing things and people, you know, so... It has a little bit of that feel, you know, just a weird coincidence. But like I said, overall, I do enjoy this film, man. It's interesting to me, at least, to know that this is the same guy that directed Belko Experiment. And this like, is better. I agree, dude. I know we... I'd rather rewatch this than Belko. Oh, yeah. The second time through, I was like, I know what to expect. And I'm not really disappointed because I know there's going to be some really good shots. But, you know, you can also kind of tune out and you're not really missing anything either. <laughs> You know, like it's it's a fucking travel guide slasher movie. Like, yeah, it's like 
maybe it's a warning sign too, you know, to people. It's like, you know, don't, don't take this for granted. You know, it's not everything that glitters is gold is what they say, you know. So don't try to romanticize a place that has a lot of dangerous elements to mm-hmm. it. We've picked next week. Yeah, we have. We've been astute, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, We're man. on top of it. Next week we'll be doing Gemini? Yeah, from a director that we're very familiar with, man. Same guy who directed, which is awesome, dude, Tetsuo, mm-hmm. right? Shinya Tsukamoto. So I'm really excited about this one. It's one that I recently picked up, too, from Mondo Macabro. So it's going to be one of the films that we'll get to talk about in their catalog, which I'm also excited about. So, yeah. Nice. So in order to listen to that next week, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. If you could rate and review however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super cool because the whole world is ran on algorithms and we want to be heard by more people. So yeah. that helps. You know, also tell your friends. Also cool. Be like, hey, you like smoking weed? Yeah. Do you like thinking about horror movies while smoking weed? Sometimes. Do you want to hear some other assholes talk about horror movies? I would love to. That's there us. There you go. That's, that's us. How, that's how it works. That's all, that's all you have to do. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, you can also always go check out our website www.friedsquirms.com check out our entire back catalog there while you're there you can contact us through the website or by emailing us squirmcast at gmail.com and if you click the links up at the top of the site we are part of the earworm podcast network Uh, you can go check out the other shows over on the network listen to me talk about a bunch of nerdy shit over on general nerdery listen to my co-host from there over on the art of wargaming talk about like Warhammer mixed with Machiavelli, that type of shit. And they've actually expanded way from there. That was kind of one of their seasons, but... That's awesome. Other shit to come, easiest place to check all that out will be earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Also find us Fried Squirms across all the social medias will be what pops up if you search for Fried Squirms. That makes it easy. Gemini next week, I'm excited. Dude, likewise. And once again... You know, we actually got it planned out this time, but sometimes we forget, and we do like your recommendations, so keep those coming. Once again, if you're a filmmaker or a part of the industry and you have a film that needs some eyeballs, let us know. We're always up for that as well. Yeah, just ball our eyes. That's right. <laughs> Eyeballers over here. <laughs> um, until next week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Oh. oh.